You're listening to Shep Life with 1FM's Terry Cowley. I'm going to invite someone in to spend the hour, the last hour of Shep Life with me. And we're going to kind of talk about them. Uh, We often get people in and we talk about events and we don't always get up close and personal, but we're trying something different. I hope you do enjoy it. And the first victim... (laughs) is Sam Birrell, the CEO for Committee for Greater Shepparton, but that's what he that's his day job and we, we hear him often enough on the radio talking about the region and advocating for the region. We're gonna go a little bit deeper today, hopefully. And I played Miles Davis because that was Sam's suggestion. He's a bit of a muso and I'm sitting here waiting for Miles Davis to start singing. I got no idea, have I Sam? Uh, Miles Davis is a <laughs> trumpet player. Thank you. Very He's never much. sung in his life. <laughs> And I'm sure he has sung. Oh well, well, is he is he dead? Yes, he okay. died at 91. He's not um, singing now. Just a really um, important artist and uh, jazz jazz musician of the of the 20th century. Who that completely was passed his, me by. Yeah, <laughs> that was from his really early period with Charlie Parker in the in the early 50s. But he just evolved. So if you listen 10 years later, it's a completely different sound. And then he embraced electronic music music. Music and um, instruments, and then and then had another uh, era in the eighties. So just a really iconic, interesting musician who who kept um, pushing the boundaries of, of of what could be done within what we call uh, the the style of jazz. Yeah, excuse my ignorance. I I'm not a jazz fan, but uh, you know I'm not really a a musical person either. But you are, aren't you? Well, it's an important part of my life. Um, it's um, yeah, I. I I, I, I play, obviously. I play guitar and I sing. Why is that um, obvious to our listener out there in Radioland? Why is it obvious? Yeah, it's not obvious. No. no. So, so you play? I play, um, but uh, I really listen. And I suppose when I was younger, music was the thing that made sense to me. And um, it's, you know, you go through some difficult times uh, when you, all young people do. Uh, music was the thing that, that, that my brain understood as a teenager and as I got older, it was the thing that, that helped sort of, I'd call it connect the wires in my, in my brain a bit um, and, and is a really important part of my development as a person, particularly um, some more, um, you know, I like all types of music, but some of the music that, that pushes, pushes my brain a bit harder, like the, some, of the, some of the jazz and, and some of the classical music and some of the more progressive rock music, that was what I really, really have, have liked and, and helps me when I'm, you know, just get through life like we're all trying to do. What do you play? What sort of music do I play? What instruments do you play? Uh, guitar. Um, so I picked up the guitar when I was sort of about 10, 11 years old. Uh, I, ha- I struggled a bit for a year, but then it seemed to, as I say, make sense to me. Uh, and I had a, some, I had good music teachers at school and, and I learnt the basics. I didn't didn't work hard enough so this is you know I was I was a, a wayward teen in terms of committing uh, focusing um, so never good enough to become a professional or anything like that but I do remember my mum yelling to me when I was younger to put the guitar down and do your homework <laughs> so where did where did you go to school Sam I spent well Talamba primary school was my first school um, and then St Brendan's primary school I went to Shep High for two years um, and my family, my father always w- was interested in me going to boarding school because he did and he found it really important in his development. 
uh, and I had three sisters. There was perhaps some theory that I needed some sort of, some more um, male contact, uh, and so I went to Assumption College to board from the age of thirteen till when I finished when I was seventeen. Is that Kilmore? Kilmore, yeah, yeah, up in the hills. How was that experience in boarding school? Um, first year was, was year nine, super homesick, um, and. Um, you know, I remember being sad, but I don't look back now with sadness. It was like a, I, I look back at it as, as it being a hard and good experience. Character building. Yep. And then the, sec, the second year was a bit better. And then I do have really fond memories of the last two years, particularly the last year. I remember just the structure. You'd be at it and, and, you know, teenage boys are like with structure, but well, I don't know if I you do. do I do. Well, I've got one, <laughs> put it that way. But we were up at, you're up at um, they got you out of bed early you went down you all had breakfast together you're off to school as soon as you got back from school you had about 20 minutes before you had to do something and every every single afternoon now for me two weeks two days a week it was either tennis or football because those were the sports I played and the other two the other three nights after school was music um, and then it'd be dinner and then it'd be down to the classroom for three hours of supervised study and you're exhausted by that stage and you'd be in bed um, there was that, and then the camaraderie of the of the guys that I was I bored with, who I still catch up with. Uh, all of those things were were really good experiences. Looking back on it, but at the time, um, yeah, it was h- tough being away from home uh, when you were young. You mentioned your dad earlier. Tell me about him. Uh, he is <laughs> defies description. Defies quick description. Yeah, I think he does actually. He's um, he's. Uh, well, he's a very intelligent person. He's a bit eccentric. I think he'd, he wouldn't mind me saying. Um, he he went to uh, University of Melbourne to study law. Um, he he was from he born in Tasmania, but he's from Wangaratta, uh, and he was he just loves country the country and the bush. He's really yeah, really got an affinity with with the forest. Really special. Um, when you see him walking around his property, you can see what it means to him. Um, so he was looking for the first job that he could find as a young lawyer um, in that wasn't in Melbourne. And the first job that he got was in a little place called Tatura. Uh, and he'd met my mum and, and dad got married and she was from this area. So they moved to Tatura straight away. He started work at that what of, of what is now Dawes and Vary, the law firm there. And as soon as he could, he found the ideal property, which was on the river near Murchison, and he bought it and he's been there ever since. Uh and he's he's just a look. He's and then he focused on criminal law because he didn't want to do a heap of paperwork. He wanted to go into court and use his wits and his mind to advocate and speak, and he's very good at that. Um, but he's uh, he's a very deep thinker. So I've got a sister in Edinburgh who's um, um, a super smart person, and she's she's uh, uh, has a PhD in in corporate sustainability, and she's forever sending books on philosophy to my dad and he just consumes it and he's always telling me about what the latest thing in this book is and that's they're really deep ideas so um so you don't have to he does all the research for you and then just picks out those well he challenges me to say why why is this so or why is that so and i sometimes push back and yeah it's the the i think that that intellectual curiosity is a basis of our relationship when I asked you to send me some information for this interview, apart from s- you sent me some information as, uh, as I asked, but apart from writing that you grew up as a young boy on the Golden River, 
The second thing you wrote was that your parents split when you were eight. So I'm guessing that is a pretty significant thing in your life. Uh, yeah, well, it is because um, we moved in with mum. Well, well, we sort of spent – they had a pretty amicable relationship um, and, um, you know, it, it has been ever since, really respectful uh, and I admire both of them for that. Um, but it meant that I was living in, in Shepherd and but every weekend, every second weekend and every Wednesday night at, at my dad's place. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's, it didn't seem that different at the time, but you look back on it and it, it was a bit of a different experience. Uh, I think both of them made it, made it quite, quite easy for us and, and it was generally a good experience. But it is, it is you know, part of, part of the way you, the way you, you move through life. How did you make sense of that at the time? Because you were very young. Um, it's a pretty open conversation about um, sometimes two people just don't um, would prefer to be apart and not live together. It doesn't mean they don't like each other. It just doesn't doesn't mean that sort of thing. It doesn't mean there's less of a commitment to their children. And I, my experience is that they both showed huge amounts of commitment to us. So... Um, I suppose uh, now that I have children, I do do perhaps yeah think about it more. But um, but it, I think it, I think thinking about it, it, we just made made the best of it, and our and our and my parents made made the best of it too. And it, it, rather than get sort of angry or um, or disappointed that that we're not the normal nuclear family. Um, we just found a made a way, made a way, a way to make it work, um, and to the point where my mum invited my dad to our Christmas party because we were all home, and she thought it'd be nice for him to be with his children. I mean, that's the sort of thing that can happen when people are really um, mature and respectful. Thinking about others, yep. uh, yeah, not they, just themselves. That's yes. right, and mm. there's been a lot of that in my family. Mm. That's that's good to know. We'll just do a, a bit of a recap on your career because we don't want to go too much into your career because we do hear from you in that space fairly often. So you graduated from the University of Melbourne with a Bachelor of Applied Science in Agriculture. You worked as a horticultural agronomist in the Golden Valley. Uh, you were appointed the CEO of the Committee for Greater Shepparton in 2016. So essentially a lifelong resident of the region, a graduate of the Federal Leadership Program, uh, you graduated with an MBO, MBA from La Trobe University in 2017 and you have various community positions. So that uh, that sort of sums up your career. But as as usual, I'm drawn to the things that don't look as successful or a little the blips in the road if you like it. <laughs> so tell me about, you, as I said, you you graduated from the University of Melbourne in 2003, but that wasn't the first degree you started, was it? No, when I was, well, I was 17 years old when I finished year 12 and everyone said, you know, you're good at school, Sam, you've got to go to university. And um, I went and started the Bachelor of Arts at La Trobe in Bandura. Uh, but I, look, I did, I, I did okay in some things and not in others, but it just, um, I didn't understand some of the concepts in literature and, and that sort of thing. And uh, after a couple of years, it, I, it wasn't really for me at that time. So... Given what you ended up doing, it seems like you're a little bit miscast in that role. Uh, I wasn't ready for university at that stage. Uh, I didn't 
didn't understand things. I probably didn't. I did want to be a journalist at the time, but I didn't. I didn't have the commitment to do it, and I didn't know how to get into it. Um, I went, came home to Shepparton, and I got a job on a farm, and uh, that was going to be a stopgap. But agriculture, just I just loved it. I loved the seasonality. I loved the, I loved the production of it. I loved the work. Um, and so when I decided to go back to university, I thought agricultural science would be a really interesting thing to do. So that's what I did. What, uh, why do you think? Is it the tangent? Was more tangible? Or is that part of what was the attraction with ag- agriculture? I certainly liked being close to nature. I liked being outside a lot of the time. Uh, I like seeing the crops go through their seasons. I like, I just love the the leaves turning turning orange in the autumn and then going dormant and then seeing them flower on the fruit trees again in spring and then being part of that and trying to nurture that crop through. I enjoyed working with the animals that, that were there and, and growing the, the hay crops and, and, and working on them. Um, the challenges with the water, I just it, it, it just was all really interesting to me. So now that you do spend a lot of time in an office, mm-hmm. you connect by getting out on the river? I do. Um, it's funny because... I spend a lot of my time on the phone um, and I ask people not to ring me in my, in my office phone, my mobile phone, and I put my headphones in. And sometimes when I've got a long conversation, I've known to walk around <laughs> the banks of the river because my office is near East Bank and just walk through the forest as I'm talking to people. Okay, so you That's can really nice. combine both. Yeah, I can combine both. That's a really nice. I don't know how I would cope 40 floors up in Collins Street when you can't do that in Melbourne. <laughs> So we were talking about family, your your childhood family before the break. You have a family of your own now. Tell me about them. Uh, so I um, I got I met Lisa when I, I went away for a little while to, for, from Shepparton, and I came back in the early two thousands. Um, and I met Lisa at a young professionals function. The young professionals network is still going. Uh, she had just arrived here in in Shepparton. Uh, her profession is, she's from Melbourne. Uh, and she's went to a, a, a school in, in eastern Melbourne. She's probably, I think, the only person at her school, a girls' school, to go and do agricultural science. <laughs> she did it in Parkville. Um, and she has a passion for animals and became a professional in animal nutrition. She worked in Adelaide and Perth, came to Shepparton for a job in the dairy industry, and we met and uh, started going out and, and got married. And we've since had two, two children, Sophie who's uh, 11 and David who is 9 and uh, yeah and that's uh, that's a new a new phase in your life when you when you have children certainly you see the world in a different way when you first met Lisa what were the things that really um, attracted you like made you think that maybe this is the person I would like to hook up with on a longer term basis Um, it was the lack of thinking (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean by that because I'd just automatically, I'd be coming home from work and I'd automatically want to go and drop in and see Lisa and talk to her without thinking about why or without thinking that, um, without analysing it too much. It was just, I was just comfortable with her. Um, That was in the early days. And then um, she made me a lot better in so many ways, a better person, um, a a better at my work, more structured in my life. With some uh, with some goals, um, so she uh, the two things she's um, I just felt completely comfortable with her from the moment that I've met her, and 
could talk about anything and be challenged. Um, and also, I've become a hugely better person since she's been in my life. And I think that that is, that, that is probably the answer for a lot of young men who who can be a bit wayward early okay, on. Okay, so the women are supposed to fix them. Well, let's, let's <laughs> not say women. Let's say partner. A, a life partner does does help. The right life partner is a really important thing to help people achieve um, their goals and, and, and what they want to achieve. How old were you when you got married? Uh, 31. Okay. So I've got written down here late bloomer, but I, well, you're not such a late bloomer. Uh Compared to a lot of people who had it, who had it all worked out and uh, really good academically, straight into university, and I've got a lot of friends like this, straight through, did really well, knew what they wanted to do, got picked up by the big firm, whether it's um, or, or or you know finished medicine and straight into that, and those guys are set up by the time they're thirty. That wasn't me. <laughs> I took took time to find out what I was good at. I took time to become good at anything, and. Um, and where I wanted to go. Now, I think I've got a pretty rewarding life now, but, yeah, late bloomers, that's a fairly uh, accurate description compared to some of my uh, contemporaries. What kind of a father are you? Um, uh, on the positive side, I'm, I think I'm interesting. Uh, I think I'm interested. I, I really love spending time with my, with my kids um, I love um, the fact that we do things together. Like we're both really, we're we're all interested in in mountains and alpine sports and, and you just skiing. Said we're both. That's two people. Are you talking yeah. about your son? Le- uh, yeah, sorry. We the, the three of us <laughs> are interested. I mean, the four of us really, because we're, we're the four of us are a unit. But I, with both of my kids, I do things with them. I like making toys and doing woodwork with David. I like um, uh, reading uh, and having different experiences with Sophie. Um, but but with both of them we go up um, we go up to the mountains a lot and that's a special place where we spend a lot of time. Whereabouts um, do you mean? Mount Hotham mm-hmm. and and they really love um, skiing and 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 walking in the mountains and that's that's really we connect on that basis all four of us. Um, on the downside, I can be impatient sometimes, which is I'm consistently working on. But oh, that's something we have in common, Sam. Yeah, you got to project. You've got to keep reminding yourself and projecting yourself back to what you were like when you were a kid. You know, the, the answers aren't all there and and you don't understand things like you do when you're an adult. And I reckon that, that, that the challenge for all of us is to be really empathetic um, with the children and, and be really patient with them. And I need to be better at that sometimes. Yes, I'm sure we, we can all do better at that. I know I certainly can. Okay. Um we mentioned, I mentioned earlier that you might have been miscast in your role when you first started out on your university journey. You haven't been miscast in many of the roles I've seen you in on stage, that's for sure. So let's talk a little, about, bit, bit, little bit about your theatrical endeavours. Um, you've done quite a bit with Shepherd and Theatre Arts Group. I've enjoyed seeing you in many plays. Why do you like doing that? Well, my involvement with Shepherd and theatre arts group came from the music first and foremost and that's what I'm comfortable with um it's the so I think it was it was singing and then well John Head cast me as an actor with a small part in his play Watershed that was a lot of fun I had all the best lines some of them which are unrepeatable but um 
not all the best lines, but a lot of the good lines. Can you uh, remember any of them that are repeatable? I can, yeah. Go on. It's the repeatability that's the problem. Yeah, no, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> it was a great play. He did a really good job on that. Um, look, if, if you can think, one thing I remember is that I was a, basically, I was, a, I was cast as an angry farmer who had a bit of a perverted bent in that when the women were doing the nude sing, so they were going to take all their clothes off and do a rain, do a choir performance to try and help make it rain. I was the guy with the binoculars that was trying to get a look at it. And um, when people asked me what I was there for, I would just say one word, security. And I'd walk then. After that play, I'd walk through the supermarket and I heard some people's behind me, security. So there you go. Uh, that was that was a great way of getting into that. I, I really then I sort of um, was involved in some musical stuff. Uh, a great highlight was the that brought two of my passions together, which is music and jazz music and James Bond films. <laughs> so shaken, shaken not, not stirred. stirred. That mm. was a really great thing to be involved with. I because I was able to play in the band, and then um, the guitar is a bit of a security blanket for me when I sing. Uh, the producers and the musical director were very keen that put the guitar down for two songs, get out in front of the band and sing, which is a bit different for me. That was a really good experience. Can you sing one line for us now, please, Sam? <laughs> I love putting people Where on the spot. are you? Why do you hide? Where is the moonlight glow that keeps you inside? Okay, that's, that's enough. <laughs> okay. Very smoky. Um, so that was good. And then... Um, and then, the, then I obviously a couple of years ago did Orson Welles and the Mercury Theatre in War of the Worlds. That was different for me. That was a more of a leading role in a play, uh, no music. And that, that was you had to learn a lot of lines. Learn a lot of lines, do an yeah. accent, a yeah. upper class English Can accent. Can you remember any of those lines that are repeatable? Wow, this is really challenging. That. To, to, to be asked to go back into it because I do everything like that. It then, is because you, when you get to the end of these things, you, you kind of shelve up, it, yeah, don't you? You sort of put it aside and you yeah. free up a bit of the RAM in your brain. Mm. But, um, you know, something about... They're not facts. They're details, Orson. We are asking our radio audience to be part and experience this as if they were there. <laughs> nice. Well done. <laughs> That was fun. Doing the accent was really fun and trying to get that right. That was Accents really are hard, enjoyable. Yeah. I find anyway. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. So, look, it's not I, – I don't have the mental energy to be doing stag all the time, but it, but it, but I, I do – I have loved my um, part of it, and that's one of the great things about living in Shepparton that you can do that. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a big plus. As you Many know. of our community, uh, hmm. you know, creative outlets. What I might do now is just throw a couple of lines or questions at you and you can answer them and I won't really comment. I will just, yeah, respond however you would like to respond. Now, um, I'm told you like to bounce a ball around the office and, and that it can be really annoying. Why do you do that? Um, it, seems, it seems to help me think. Uh, the bouncing is annoying, I know that, so I just try and throw it up in the air now, one of those stress balls. Um, and pacing. Um, sometimes when we're composing, when I'm composing letters to, to people, look, I write a lot of my letters, but um, some of the staff members will, I'll dictate to them. And 
<laughs> for some reason, walking around the office and throwing a ball up in the air um, helps me to think about what the right words are to put together. Okay. Tell me about when somebody brought a murder weapon into maybe it was a police uh, department and your dad was involved? 1983, the Michelle Buckingham murder. Um, a person went into my father's uh, office, in, which was in Shepparton, and put a knife on the table and said, this is the murder weapon, I need to make a statement and get some protection, I think. Um, I didn't know about it at the time, but it's since been featured on a one of those true crime um, true crime documentaries. Uh, interesting for us, they had to find an actor who looked like Dad back in 83. <laughs> it was pretty. It's a funny part of it. The rest of it's not so funny. But, yeah, he had some involvement in that. Tell me about your relationship with red wine. When I was early in my agriculture career, I didn't want to go into the wine industry. Um, I'm really interested in vineyards. We, uh, we put a, a vineyard on our property when, you know, back in the 90s, and my dad was the driver of that, but I helped him a bit. I was really interested in the wine industry, worked in it a bit. Um, I really liked I'm really interested in, in wine. Tell me about your intense role-playing exercise with Mick Malthouse. Start of the Latrobe MBA uh, is a subject called Personal and Professional Skills Development. Um, it's an intensive down in Melbourne and you you stand there and they brought... Mick Malthouse was just finishing up well. He hadn't quite been sacked as the coach at Carlton, but, but he was in the media a lot. He came in on a Sunday afternoon with his own role-playing exercises and you had to pick one. And I, you know, I, I wanted to pick the hardest one because I wanted to be challenged. I picked the role of the chief executive of a club that had just sacked their coach. Uh, I had a chair with me, but I was, had to do most of the talking as the CEO. And Mick, was he played the role, the head of the fans, um, the uh, fan group, the cheer squad that was vehemently against the fact that we'd sacked the coach. And Mick stared at me and tried to push me and prod me and uh, get me to say something that I didn't want to say um, and just left those uncomfortable silences and it was a wonderful experience. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Uh, it's a difficult thing because um, I, the worst thing that's happened to me and I can't, honestly can't recall what it is, but it is so much better than some terrible things that have happened to people and I'm always conscious of that. Uh, touch wood, I haven't lost close members of my family or been through those serious health issues. Um, I will one day because we all go through that. Um, I would be, I would sit here and be arming and ahhing for five minutes to think about the worst thing that's happened to me. What's the best thing that's happened to you? Um, birth of Sophie and David and the fact that they're happy and healthy children is something that's amazing. Um, meeting Lisa, that was part of making sure that <laughs> the other thing happened. Uh, those are the, 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 the things that having a having a family and a and being able to offer that stable life that's the best thing describe sophie um beautiful intelligent uh very um charismatic um describe david 
uh, <laughs> um, incredible way with words and uh, a mind that seems to run um, a bit faster than everyone else's and uh, hugely interested in things like um, Star Wars and an incredibly creative person. Why do you do park run? It feels wonderful to um, submit your body totally for if I'm going for a PB it's personal best that is it's a it's a bit lower than 26 minutes if I'm having a casual jog it's more like 29 for whatever it is but just to submit yourself to that to that experience um and it's a great way to start Saturday morning um it's wonderful in Shepparton around the lake it's I love the atmosphere I love the community I love challenging myself to go a bit faster and when I'm traveling for work I love finding a park run whether it be Brisbane Melbourne Canberra or wherever and doing that park run just to sort of experience it at a different location. What are your greatest weaknesses? Uh, I haven't got a concentration span that would allow me to be a huge um, researcher for a massive, massive big thing. Um, I'm, I'm the sort of person that if it doesn't make sense to me within an hour or so, <laughs> I don't have the patience for it. So, you know, that's probably a weakness. Um, I can take on too much sometimes. Don't pr- I, I, I struggle to prioritise. Those are the two main ones. Someone once described you as being somewhat unaware of the rapid advance of climate change. How would you respond to that? I don't think that's true. I think there's a... a I think there's a nuanced um, conversation to have about how we deal with it. Um, and I, I'm aware of the rapid advance of climate change. How we deal with it in an achievable way, I'm always focused on. And when I do work stuff, people say, why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? The achievability of that, I could, I could go to Canberra and scream at um, the Prime Minister and the Environment Minister that they've got to do more. I try to find a way to move them along in an, in an achievable way. Now, that might reflect my own... It might not reflect where, where I think what I think should happen, but I'm trying to make something happen. And, and you've got you've to get people on board to do that. What is it you like about being... I was going to say the limelight. That might be taking it a bit far, but you don't mind standing up and talking to people. You don't mind performing. You don't mind giving of yourself in that way. What is it you like about that? aspect of performing i find it easy to i find it easy to talk um i find that these days i find it quite invigorating and exciting when i'm in front of a group of people and i don't know what they're going to ask me and like right now right right now and i've got <laughs> to think about i've got to try and i i, I describe it as getting the fi- the files from the filing cabinet in the brain and trying to um work out what they're asking me organising my knowledge in my head around what they're asking me and come up with a coherent answer to their question. Sometimes when they're really annoyed with or, or they don't agree with what, what I've said or we've said, that's, that's generally pretty exciting. Um, and yeah, I don't... I'm, it might sound funny. I do like to... I'm a fairly introverted person in that 
I really? do. <laughs> yeah, well, I do get energy from being alone and spending time just by myself. Um, I do think leadership involves, and I've found myself in this sort of leadership role, I do think that it does involve being prepared to um, get out and, and speak and share ideas, even if there is a some sometimes a cost to it. What are your goals for 2020? Um, to, to write and finalise a really strong strategy for the Committee for Greater Shepherd and for the next three years, to embark on that, to enhance the relationships that we've already got, um, to work um, constructively in any way we can to make sure that Greater Shepherd and Secondary College is a success. Uh, those are those are high on the high on the list, um, and to advance the causes of, of of the region, and to make sure that my family is happy and healthy. Your children aren't going to go to the Greater Shepherd and uh, Secondary College. Is no. it sometimes a challenge to be flying that flag when yep. you're not actually putting your money where yep. your mouth is? Yep. Um, I'd answer that in three ways. Firstly, um, I represent the Committee for Greater Shepherd, and so it's not when people hear me say something, it's not all. It's not just what Sam Birrell thinks. I've got a board, and I've got a, a membership, and 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 they think that they employ a lot of the people who come out of this. Secondly, if the Greater Shepherd and College was built and it, and it was there and it was operating well, as it, I reckon it definitely will be in three or four years. I would make perhaps a different decision and send my kids there. But I've made a different decision because of what was on offer at the time. What does the future, we've got about a minute and a half or so, Sam. What does your future look like? Where do you see yourself in 10 years, 20 years? I don't know. Um, look, it's a... <laughs> it's every, people say to me, oh, you're going to go into politics. I'd never rule that out. I'd never rule it in. You do love politics, don't you? Uh, I lo- I'm interested in it. I don't know whether I want to submit myself to it, but if I, if I thought that help that it helped this region, I'd I would consider it. And I thought I was the right person, I'd consider it. Um, but I've made no decision, or maybe move into the private sector and, and try and try and build somebody's business or something. That's exciting too. To be honest, I don't really know. I think I'll be living here and hopefully doing a job that enables me to feed my family and have a lot of fun. When you say uh, it sounds as though you considered the politics thing, though, yeah, well, you, you are considering it. Oh, I, have you been approached at different times? No. There's one question I know I can't answer. Um, look, <laughs> there've been discussions about it. It's just look if it if it was the right thing to do at the right time, but it's not a goal that I say I'm definitely going to do it, or I'm definitely aiming to do it, or I'm definitely not going to do it. It'll just see what happens in a few years or however long or whatever. Whatever whatever you do, That's Sam. That's a politician's answer. Don't, yeah, rule anything, uh, yeah. don't rule anything in. Whatever you do, Sam, I'm sure you'll make a great success of it. And uh, thank you for all you do to make our region a better and more interesting place. Thanks, Terry. It's been fun. You've been listening to the Shep Life podcast. If you'd like to hear the show live, you can tune in to 98.5 on your radio or stream through fm985.com.au or the TuneIn app on your Android or iOS device. Friday mornings from 9am to midday.